So we've been on this, uh, or I've been on a journey, and I've been taking you on my, on, on my story uh, for the last few weeks. It was funny because the, the Lord spoke to me uh, through a verse talking about seeking Him. This was probably about six or seven weeks ago. And then we, we went through the parables that followed the prayer, uh, Jesus teaching his disciples to pray. And then we went back to the prayer, and I realized that the most important thing we can learn is this prayer. The most important. Like, if there's one thing we're going to master in our life, is this prayer. I mean, if it, it's a big book, and there's a lot to learn. But when Jesus, the more I meditated on this over the last month, the more I realized, if I could just get this one thing, if I could just master this prayer, then everything else would flow from it. Because that's why Jesus kept it short. He's like, okay. And, and uh, last week I kind of gave you a little bit of an overview of kind of the, the pattern of it. And the first was submission, learning how to get from my will be done to your will be done. That's submission. The first thing Jesus leads us into is, I want you to get in the right spot so that you can actually have authority. See, unfortunately, most of Christianity in America is about technique. If I pray the right way or I, or I have the right method, then life will work. But when Jesus, the thing they noted was that he was one who spoke with authority, as if he had authority, because he did have authority. He had authority over demons, he had authority over sin, he had authority over everything. And when he taught, he had authority. And the only way to get authority is by being in the presence of God in a submitted way. Good so far? So he starts with the submission, and then he talks about petition. And most of us are used to uh, praying, God, give me. God, give me this, give me that, give me some more of that, and fix that, and don't let me go through that. And that's okay. He puts it in there. <laughs> and, I, you know, every time I, I've been praying this, this prayer, walking through it every day for a, a little while. And when it, and every time I get to give us this day our daily bread, I'm like, thank you, Lord, I've, you've already provided the bread. Uh, right? Because how many actually have some groceries in your, in your house? You could probably live for a week or two. So when we're saying give us our daily bread, we're not giving, and we'll talk about it, but we're not saying give us the bread of just sustenance. We're, we're looking for the Word of God that's going to nourish us for that day. All right, so he talks about petition, and then he talks about having relational alignment, because anytime any relationship is out of alignment, then the authority of God cannot flow. One of the reasons we're weak is because we're not aligned with God. Forgive us our, our sins, right? We have sin in our life or as we forgive those around us. And some, too often there's people in our life that we are not completely aligned with spiritually through forgiveness. Right? Good. Um, and then uh, the, next, the, the next act is the battle. 
Even talking about prayer will lead you into a battle. How many have had a battle or two this week? If you were here last week and we talked about prayer, I had a couple battles. Um, in fact, my whole week was full of battles. It's fun. And we'll talk about that another time. Um, because the, the, the cool thing is, is that no matter what battle you're in, God is the victor of it. Because often the battle is you, and he has to conquer you, just like Roddy was saying. You know, we're like, okay, God, you've got to fix this. And then the enemy comes in and says, let me add a little weight to that. And then you realize, well, you've been trying to carry it in your own strength. And God says, no, it's, it's in your weakness that you're strong, not in your strength that you're strong. And so God has to use the battle to break us instead of to break the enemy's stronghold because God always wins. Oh, and last but not least, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, a place of rest. Because Jesus always takes us from the high and holy to the place of rest because he wants us to understand God actually has everything in control. He does right now. Some of you are know, praying for elections and stuff like that. I wish that man could fix anything. But God must do it. Okay, and then we can rest. If it's bad, like it, I, I think it's bad in our, pers- in our country and in our world right now. Do you think it's bad? Anybody? Anybody? Uh, it's not. But actually, there's some bad things happen, but there's a lot of good things happening. In fact, there's more good things than bad things, believe it or not. I could tell you about some of those, but that's not my point today. All right. So as I came... Uh, as I tried to stay macro, it's like, let's talk about the, the, the Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer. As I, as I tried to stay macro, the Lord kept saying, go micro, man, go micro, because you won't understand it by just praying, praying the whole thing. You have to break it up. And so last week we talked about, it, it, uh, he said, Jesus taught us our Father in heaven, right? And we learned that it wasn't just our Father, but that it was... Jesus saying, come with me, my Father, and now I give you my Father. So now it's our Father. I want to usher you into his presence in, uh, in the way I go in. Because Jesus was trying to teach his disciples, this is how you go into prayer, is that you go in as a child of God. That's the first part of submission. But then, today, he talked about, hallowed be thy name. Now, how many have ever run by that word, hallowed be thy name? Right? You're praying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. You know, we, 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 we pray this thing, and the problem is, is that we're so used to consuming information. We do on the internet. I mean, how many read, read, read a blog or two a day or anything? anything you know, and, and, and we don't really read it. We ransack it. It's like, what is the information I need for now? And I'm just ransacking this thing, and I'm taking what I get. But Jesus wants us to slow down. Look at the words, because they, they will have meaning. You'll notice in the New Testament, Jesus doesn't talk a lot. I mean, there's a few teachings, but he doesn't really talk a lot. And we're supposed to get everything from him, right? From what, he's, what he said. So, we come to this place, hallowed be thy name. We're still in the point of submission, and we read Psalm, uh, or Isaiah 57. And we realize that when, we, when this word hallowed means holy, Right? So we're saying, holy 
is your name. Now, when we're talking about name, we're not going, uh, you know, I like your name. You know, don't take his name in vain. But when I say your name, what comes with your name? When I'm talking, yeah, when I'm, when I'm talking about you, if I'm talking about Tom, I'm not talking about his name. I'm talking about his being, his person. And Jesus is saying that when you come into his presence, I want, you, I want to usher you with me to our Father. And the first thing we're going to say is, holy is your name. Now that should bring great trepidation to us. Because without Jesus, we're not very holy, are we? In fact, we have no standing, zero. We come into his presence with no standing, and that's why we need Jesus to... And, and now Jesus has, has done the work, so we can, go, we can go boldly before his throne. But it's interesting that he wanted us to first reflect on the holiness of God. And we don't even talk about it very much, do we? <clears throat> When was the last time you heard a message on the holiness of God? Not very much. So we're going to talk about one today because when we get an understanding of the holiness of God, it will it'll change our prayer life in a way that you haven't seen yet. Say so okay. So the first thing that holiness does, let's read. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll read it for you. Um, it's Isaiah chapter six. Let me read this short story to you. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne. How many have heard this story? High and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings and covered their face, and two that covered their feet, and two flew by. And one called out to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. This is what's happening in heaven. Right now, guys, if you see the Lord in his fullness, you're going to hear, holy, holy, holy. And you notice they, they covered their, their eyes and they covered their feet. Don't, don't, don't see me because they were not worthy because, you know, we're not worthy in his presence. He is high and holy. And they called to one another. And the foundations of the threshold shook and the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, and my eyes, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When we come into the presence of God in prayer, we come into His holiness. And our first natural reaction should be, Woe! is me. Wow! I am a sinner. But remember I said, Jesus brings us in. So, all the forgiveness of our sins comes in with us. And so we don't have that same expression, woe is me. Instead, we get the awesomeness of God instead. When was the last time you guys, have anybody ever been in a cathedral? You walk into a cathedral and what happens? <laughs> you stop talking and you say, whoa. And then you begin to get a sense of 
the presence and the awesomeness of God and the, how small we are, right? And that's for our benefit because American Christianity, modern Christianity is all about being a friend of God, being close to God, being buddy-buddy with Jesus. I like that. But you don't start there. You start here with, woe is me, I am broken, I am contrite, and I am in the presence of the Holy God. So the first thing is, as I've been reliving this verse over and over and over, the very first thing that, that comes to my mind is I want to bow down in worship. That's my first, that's my first inkling. When I read, when I read, holy is your name. And so the first point I want to make this morning is, is all about that, that when Jesus is saying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, it's a call to worship. It's a call to come into his presence and bow down. Because as his, at his feet, of course, that's where the fullness of joy is going to happen, right? It's, it's going to be in his presence. You guys with me so far? I know it, sound, it's, it sounds like, oh, hold on a second here. It, it sounds very tense. But that's why I've been presenting it in this way. It is, in one sense, very holy, very... Uh, out, of, out of this world. Let, let me give you a, a quick definition uh, of holiness. The holiness of God refers to the unparalleled majesty of His incomparable being and His blameless, faultless, unblemished moral purity. Which is like the opposite of me. <laughs> and yet, He invites us, Jesus is inviting us, He's saying, come now into the holiness of God. I don't know about you, but this, this is, it, it, it blows my mind. Because this is where we really see who God is. He's not just a chum. He is the high and holy one that dwells with the humble. I don't know. It's amazing to me. So I want to bow down. I want to stop complaining. I want to thank Him. I want to praise Him for who He is. Because this relationship is what we were created for. We were created to be in His presence. That's what Jesus is saying. All right, number two. It's a call to intimacy. Psalm 91.1 says, as you know, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of His wings. Jesus is inviting us to this beautiful secret place of intimacy. That's what these words are. He's saying, hallowed be thy name. Let me take you in to this place of intimacy that no one's going to know but you. 
It's beautiful. I mean, I have a great marriage. No one knows what my wife and I talk about, right? She shares things with me. I mean, some maybe I'll share some of it from the pulpit. Just kidding. Uh, but that's the thing about relationship. When you're close to someone, you get to hear the secret things of the heart, and you get to share them with one another, and they're not meant for everybody else. That's the problem with the preacher, right? He hears from God, and he goes, everybody should know this. God's saying, no, shut up. This isn't for everyone. You know, Mary pondered these things in her heart. She's like, I met with God, and I kept it. Okay? All right, moving on. So, the calling to intimacy when I was thinking about this call to intimacy, I, I was reminded of uh, Moses. And I want to I read, uh, read another story to you. Isn't it great? We talk about Isaiah. He sees us high and lifted up. But let me talk about Moses. He's in, in uh, Exodus 33, 7, uh, 33 and Exodus 34. This is what it says. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away calling it the tent of meeting. This is the secret place. This is what Jesus calls us to. This is what we refuse to do, is find the secret place with God. <laughs> we're too busy. We're, 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 we're too distracted. And so Jesus is saying, I want you to come to this place because this is the place of ultimate joy. This is the place of authority. You want your prayers answered? Come to the holy place. Okay. So he comes to the holy place. He, he, he called it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Joseph, uh, Moses went out to the tent, all the people stood at the entrances of their tent. And so here he is. He sets up his tent. They're like, Moses is going to get his quiet time. And so they all stood at their tent. Moses went and he says, and they stood at the entrances of their tent watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, <laughs> each at the entrance of their tent. Okay, this is called discipleship. When somebody steps out, meets with the holiness of God, the power comes down and we're going, I want what that dude's eating, okay? What's he eating? I'll, I'll, I want that. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one who speaks to a friend. This is what Jesus is talking about. When he says, holy is your name, he's saying, I want you to come to this place where you're meeting with God and you speak to one another as one friend to another. I don't mean chummy friend. I mean real friend, the true friend, the, the friend we talk about, but we don't experience. Okay, and then, so then Moses would return to the camp. But I love this. This is one of my favorite verses. I'd like to talk about this all day long. But his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. <laughs> He's like, dude, I'm, I'm just hanging here, man. You go on. You do what you got to do in the camp. I'm, I'm staying out back. I want to be a Joshua guy. The reason Joshua became Joshua was because he hung out at the tent. I know. I know. Okay. Now, it goes on in chapter 34, and I want to read this to you too. 
It says, when Moses came down, he came down from the mountain. After this, he went up to the mountain, got the two tablets. Um, when he got the two tablets of the law, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. And when Aaron and all the uh, Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterwards, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commandments the Lord had given him. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant, and then Moses would put the veil back on. Okay, what's happening here? When we come into the holy, our face will change, right? Unfortunately, with most of our Christianity, we're trying to skim by. I want to get to the place where my, when you guys see me, I'm like, hold on, let me get my veil. <laughs> but I love that when he gets into the presence of God, he says, no veil, you got all of me. Because that's what intimacy is. That's what being with Jesus is all about, is being able to pour out your life before him and say, Lord, this is me. This is what I got. Basically nothing. I'm broken, humble, contrite. And God started doing something in his life that his face glowed. I've seen that before. I won't tell you about it, but um, the presence of God truly makes us beautiful. You know that. All right. So the second point of the holiness is the intimacy. The, the last point, um, and I'll make it somewhat quick, but you're going to appreciate this. Holiness calls for fire. Because it's in the presence of the Lord that He changes us in places we don't want to change. <sighs> I've wrestled with this all week. Because <laughs> every time I prayed this, I'm like, what about that fire thing? Let's go back to the intimacy thing. I like the radiant face. But... Are you actually trying to change my heart? You want me to stop making excuses for my sin? I'm like, ah. But when Jesus becomes more important than anything, you're willing to let him burn whatever needs to go. Why am I saying this is the most important thing we can master? is because if we don't get this, we're going to end up playing Christianity instead of being the children of God God's called us to be. If we don't get this, <laughs> we're going to end up playing Christianity instead of being the children of God He's called us to be. Because Peter says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy as I am holy. It's not, we love to take the appropriation of Jesus' holiness and go in. It's like, thank you, Jesus, you made me holy. By, 
But there's another level that Jesus wants to call us to, and that's personal holiness. This has been a doctrine from time, from all eternity. <laughs> is yes, we rely on the holiness of Jesus, but we also become holy as he is holy. <laughs> and so in Hebrews, it says, since we are receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and all, for our God is a consuming fire. So when we come into his presence, we should be looking for him to change our heart. But how will I change it? You guys ready? Key, last key. Proverbs 8, 13. It's holding the tension between, thank you, Jesus, that you saved me, and you delivered me, to returning back to the awe of God. And the awe of God breeds in us this thing that we call the fear of God. Okay? The fear of God, we've talked about it a bunch of times uh, not too long ago, is not just the fear of God, like to fear Him, to be afraid of Him, but to be in such a place that I'm afraid to displease Him, that my life is His, and I want to make sure that my whole life is, is His. And in Proverbs 8.13, it says, To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I mean, hate it. That's what it says. You want to fear the Lord, you got to hate evil. Now, I look around in my life, in my heart, I go, any evil here? Any sin left over? And I was practicing this a little bit this week. And I'm like, you know, there's a few things... And I don't want to reveal them to you because they're my own weird struggles. They're not sexual sin, if you want to know. Just people <laughs> online here, like, no, <laughs> holding the line. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, they're 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 more they're more self um, self sustaining, trying to be independent of God by my own security. That's that's my biggest sin is thinking I can have enough to be secure from God. Has that ever happened to anybody? Okay, okay. <laughs> anyway, so every time I saw it this week, I said, Lord, teach me to hate that. Now, I, I, I don't play the lottery. I, I, I don't play the lottery. But my, I, I told you in the summer, I, I played the lottery with my brother which I, I never played the lottery, but my brother said, let's get a ticket. It's a billion dollars. Billion dollars. Everybody needs a billion dollars. So I went and bought a ticket. What that represents to me, I lost. In case you weren't. <laughs> if I had won, you, I would just be handing out money to you guys. You know, they didn't need any money here. Anyway, so anyway, the, the lottery, I noticed it was a billion dollars again. It's like a billion and a half. I don't know if somebody won or not, uh, because I didn't play. But every time I drove by a 7-Eleven or a gas station, I'm thinking, I got two bucks. And the Lord kept speaking to me. That's that thing. You want to be independent of me. You want to be so wealthy that you don't need me anymore. Now, you guys know I would give it all away. 
all except, you know, maybe a little. I, you know, it's because so why do I know that? It's because you all said that too. Except for, you know, enough that would make me so secure I wouldn't need God anymore. That's how much I would need. How much is that? Just a little bit more. Okay, so that's my sin. So every time I encountered it, I hope somebody wins that thing so I don't have to keep looking at that billion dollars. <laughs> so I can get it out of my head because it ain't there. But what's wrong with 100 million anyway? Because that's like every week that there's 100 million on the board. It's like that ain't enough. Anyway, where was I? I got to finish my point and then we got we to gotta get on. <sighs> Whatever it is, I want to hate it if it's keeping me from Jesus. That's what holiness does. It brings us into that place of saying, are you willing to hate whatever's keeping me from having that radiant face? And with that, I want to invite you guys into the radiant face. We're going to come to the table of the Lord this morning. Yes? And this is a great opportunity for us. Because that's what Jesus, you know, he taught his disciples this. And it's the same story again, one more time, when we come to the table of the Lord. Because he's inviting us into his presence to experience intimacy with him. To be free from our sin. Thank you. Thank you. So, this is what we can do to prepare. As we've been going through this, maybe there's a place in our hearts that Jesus wants to burn the dross off. I told you my ridiculous thinking that somehow God wouldn't take care of me. and that I would need more than he has provided, which is too much already. I still have other sins that he needs to fire away from me. So maybe you have one or two. And Jesus invites us to the table. Says he wasn't afraid to be called our brother. To join us in this moment of our father. To break bread with us in the intimacy of 
relationship with us. So let's go ahead and we'll close our eyes this morning. And I want you to picture us around the table. And Jesus asking us, is there anything that I can do for you? Something that's been messing with your mind and keeping you from the holiness that brings us into that relationship with the Father. Because he's ready to heal it. He's rather ready to empower us in it. said, this is my body. It's broken for you. I've been contrite now to invite the full presence of the Father to us. So speak it before the Lord, the thing that you want Jesus to burn off, if you have that. Or maybe you're just like, I, I don't feel intimate with the Lord, that you would just invite him to your secret place. Let his fire come to you and talk with you. So as we take this bread, he says, every time you, you do this, you remember that I have made the way for you. Let's go ahead and take the bread this morning. Lastly, as we look at our lives and say, Oh, Lord, when I get into your presence, I just want to fall down because you are high and holy, high and lifted up. And in your presence, I am broken. More often than not, we feel more broken than strong. And Jesus, when he, we come to the table, he says, here, here's my blood. The blood is his life that courses through our life and sustains us. And so in the broken places of our life, we thank the Lord for this cup of blessing. And as we take it, we ask for that spiritual transaction to happen that he would fill us up with his life. And that as we walk from here, we would remember that he's invited us into the secret place to dwell there and to know him in a more intimate way than we ever have before. Let's go ahead and take the cup now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lead us on, Lord, through mastering a life of prayer and intimacy 
that we haven't known yet, no matter where we are in our walk with you, take us one step closer, one step deeper. No one knows. No mind is, no eye has seen, no ears heard, no mind has conceived the things that God has prepared in advance for those who love him. Lord, this morning we thank you that you have called us to the higher place for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, be holy. You might share your confession with another. Love to all of you who are watching online. We're going to sign off and continue uh, what's happening in the room. Uh, I love you. God bless you. Uh, Next week is Pastor's Appreciation Week. (laughs) Stay tuned. Same bat channel. Same bat time. We'll see you later. (laughs) Bye.